Welcome to Wilma's podcast. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to stay current on topics of interest in occupational and environmental medicine. Wilma is the Western Occupational and Environmental Medicine Association and a component of ACOM. We have designed these Wilma podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for Wilma members, as well as anyone interested in learning more about worker and environmental health. I am your host today, Dr. Alia Khan, and we are delighted to have you join us. The Wilma Education Committee members involved in planning this session have no relevant financial relationships to disclose. Our speaker, Dr. Bob Larson's disclosure is that he will receive financial revenue from sale of his book. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Bob Larson, author of the book, Wounded Workers. Wounded Workers tells the tales of America's workforce subjected to physical and psychological trauma resulting in plight, courage, and persistence as told by psychiatrists with working class roots. I recently got my copy of the book after speaking with Dr. Bob, and I'm excited to have him here with us to tell us more about how he came to write these stories and what lessons we can take from them. Dr. Bob Larson is a clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine. Dr. Bob has taught forensic psychiatry to trainees with an emphasis on clinical presentations in the workplace. Over a career of more than three dozen years, he has treated and evaluated thousands of injured workers. His presentations and publications to clinicians and the general public encompass the subjects of job stress, PTSD, emotional resilience, delayed recovery, harassment, and workplace violence. Wounded Workers, Tales from a Working Man's Shrink is Dr. Bob's first book intended for professionals and the general public. Welcome, Dr. Bob. Well, thank you. And to all of those uh, occupational medicine physicians, members of WOMA, uh, I hope that this will be informative and enjoyable for you. Thank you. I'm sure it will be. So why don't we jump in and, you know, I just want to first ask you, what prompted you to even get involved in occupational side of psychiatry and how did you come to write this book? Well, I don't think anyone starts off in life intending to become an occupational psychiatrist. I grew up a working class kid. My mom was an immigrant from Italy who never went to high school. My dad was career military, having fought in World War II and, uh, My mother said, I'm not raising military brats. So I grew up in a household where my parents were pretty tough. And uh, my mom's grandfather died in an industrial injury in Chicago. His family got deported home to Italy. Uh, So I grew up with these roots. I was expected to work. I was a teamster as a young man. I worked in manufacturing studies and restaurants and construction. And then through college, not knowing exactly what I was going to do, I again got a job and I ended up with a degree in molecular and cellular biology from the University of Colorado. We got the first million volt electron microscope and I became a scientist. Well, I thought I would do something practical and go to medical school. And there I ended up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a research scientist. I taught microbiology and I did more scientific research. And then I heard from these mentors who were psychiatrists who talked about sex and interesting lifestyle issues. And without ever having taken a psychology class, well, I'm going to go to psychiatry into that field. And uh, UCSF is where I did my residency, did a a fellowship at Stanford in health policy, got a master's degree from Cal. And all the mentors along the way gradually caused me to end up in this area where 
I got to spend time listening to people tell me their tales and I feel blessed. And uh, as a result of it, I'm trying to give back through this book. It tells the tales of the people I've seen over all those years, not every one of them, obviously. And uh, I hope it's of interest to the public and they see what sacrifices workers make. They also get a better idea of how the healthcare system works for workers. Uh, and uh, as a result of it, they'll learn what psychiatry and occupational medicine can actually do for people when they have serious health problems brought on by workplace situations. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and what an interesting uh, career trajectory you had. When we talked before this podcast, you shared a story with me about a young woman who had a traumatic work injury. And I know you have many stories in your book. I was wondering if you could share that story um, from that book so that our listeners who have not read it can also hear this. So this is a story about a young woman who has a terrible physical injury. There are other stories in the book where there's no physical injury and I think people will be impressed with them as well. The chapter one is about a woman who's been robbed as a bank teller multiple times and uh, one time too many. And then there's chapters that have to do with exaggeration and unusual presentations like factitious disorder. But in this woman's case, there's nothing like that going on. It's pretty obvious what happens. She's in her early 20s. Uh, I, I call her Miss Pham. She's Asian, of Asian origin from Vietnam. Miss Pham came to this country from Vietnam with her family when she was a little girl. She spoke no English and she went on to become valedictorian of her high school class when she graduated. She went on to a University of California campus where she got a degree and met her husband. She was supporting him through her work when she got injured. Uh, and basically the injury was that she was locked in a laboratory at the plant. Why she was locked in there, I don't know. Her hand was caught in a high-speed centrifuge. People think laboratories are safe places compared to loading docks. They're both dangerous. And that machine was so powerful, she could not pull her hand out. The kill switch was too far away for her to reach with her other hand. She had the presence of mind to take a shoe off and try and reach it with her foot. That's how long this went on for. When I saw her, she had lost her arm. Uh, she had been designated maximally medically, you know, improved, uh, or as we say, permanent and stationary status was there from an orthopedic standpoint. I had all these reports. And when I met with her, I knew it would be a difficult situation for her and me both. So I'll just say, this is what happened in, the, in one, one paragraph. Ms. Pham did not complain when filling out forms in our offices. The test results made clear that she was struggling with depression, anger, and anxiety. It seemed her capacity to cope had been overwhelmed. I considered the potential need for hospitalization to stabilize her fragile state of mind. Despite her depression, she was well-groomed and was exceedingly polite in her interactions with me. Yet, throughout our meeting, she intermittently sobbed while averting her gaze. When asked how she would describe herself following the injury, she slowly articulated, I am unlovable. My heart was broken. Well, what I had to do in that case was make it abundantly clear. They wanted to settle a case 
both attorneys. I was the agreed medical examiner in psychiatry. She'd already been to the orthopedist and she had a rubber prosthesis that didn't match her skin color. I said, if we had to settle her case that day, I would say she's 100% permanently disabled, which they did not want to hear. Uh, anybody who describes himself as unlovable, uh, as, as smart as she was, she was not faking. She was never going to work again. Well, no one would hire her. I said, let's do a couple things. Get her a real prosthesis, like we give young men and women that come back from the wars, and have her see a real vocational counselor to talk about her future. Um, it was 15 months later she came back to my office. She had given birth to her first child. She smiled. She was going to get the prosthesis and she was going to become a pharmacist. So um, that's one in which the important things to do there were, were to let this young woman know that somebody cared and to take care of her. And instead of being unlovable, she ended up with a future. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that powerful story and reminding us the importance of advocating for our patients. Very glad that she had you as a physician to do that for her. The orthopedist should have pointed out some of the things that I did. And I think the mm -hmm. occupational medicine docs listening to this should consider at times, whether they're the primary treating physician or not, that they need to stick up for their patient or this person that's come to see them when another doctor drops the ball. Yeah, that's a great point. And that kind of leads into my next question for you. What lessons should occupational medicine physicians take from your book? And is there any practical tools or strategies um, that can help our patients move from uh, you know, a disease-oriented mentality to recovery mentality? And any way of predicting who may fall into you know, a victimization type of path? I'm not sure that my book will help tease out who, which of their patients that they can clearly see as this is the intervention that'll make all the difference. This idea of you know, the, the disease model that we oftentimes have in medicine, instead of looking at functional ability, is a problem. Many of my colleagues in psychiatry, they, they don't, have no interest in doing, seeing the kind of cases I see. First off, they don't like dealing with attorneys. They don't like writing complex reports and they find it all kind of yucky. Uh, they would rather write prescriptions or see people in psychotherapy. That's what they're used to. That's what their training has caused them to feel competent in. My roots being what they are, I have no problem dealing with cops, firefighters, bank tellers and hearing their stories. And if you come to learn about these people, then you can find a way to get in and move them away from becoming dependent on, on too many medications, for example. I think in the, the other cases that come up in the various chapters, you, you see examples of individuals that just need some assistance. And at times we can do that through reporting either on paper, in depositions, or calling up the claims person. So advocacy, we can advocate for an individual, as we see in the case of Ms. Pham, but we can also, as I have done, testify before the legislature about reasonable benefits for injured workers. And um, I'm past president of the California Society of Industrial Medicine and Surgery. We started a Courage Award 
which we would, we've given out to injured workers that show resilience and return to work when no one would have expected. This includes uh, a battalion chief who's, who's described in my, my book, who goes back to work and teaches firefighters when nobody expected him to. A detective who was shot by a gang member. Nobody expected him to go back to work. He received that award as well. So it's more, it's, there's things that I think we can do where you want to point out hardiness, resilience, and help people to get to those paths. Um, and um, I, I think it, 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 perhaps you might th say, oh, it comes naturally to, to me. I, I don't know. You have to put yourself in the situation where you spend enough time and when you do and you get to know somebody, even if it's one visit, you get to know them and you find out something. I had a man come to me. He reminded me a lot of my dad. My dad died with the Bronze Star for combat. Never talked about it. I didn't know he had that. This man was in his 60s. He was a construction worker and he was depressed because he had a failed back syndrome. All they wanted me to do was to say how depressed he was so they could settle his case. And then taking a complete history, I found out that this man had been in the Korean War as a Marine. And it turned out I had read a book because my dad was in the military. He gave me a Hill number. And I said, there was only one man that survived that battle. It was him. He had never talked about that experience. And I guided him through that. And I got him to the place where he was thankful that he finally was able, finally was able to tell somebody about such a horrific experience. They were going to give him, he was going to be put in for the Medal of Honor, but he said he didn't want it. He was 20 years old. He wanted to go home. And they did. They put him on a plane, sent him back to the States, never having spoken to anybody in his life, not his wife, not his kids, not a doctor. And I think we both cried. I think we both cried <laughs> and, and because he got it out and he was no longer shamed and someone finally thanked him for what he had done. You see, thank people. That's what I do in this book. The, the, the book ends up with the ch final chapter 36, giving back. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I've been blessed with a, a career. It's a privilege to be a physician, I feel. And um, people entrust us with a lot. Uh, and if you do a good job, they will determine your value. The patients we see, the interviews, the inter interviewees we see, the injured workers, and the people in the system that work with us, they will say what value we have. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bob, and emphasizing values. And really what I'm just hearing from you is the importance of also listening to our patients and getting those stories and and um, so we can advocate for them. It really shows how passionate you are about your patients and about your work. And it's really something that, you know, we're all strive to do to have those type of relationships with our patients. And I think as occupational medicine physicians, um, there's this underlying foundation of, you know, fighting for our patients in the workplace. And I really hope your book will shed light on the importance of this work to healthcare workers and the general public um, the need to advocate for workers and our patients. So thank you, uh, Dr. Bob Larson, for joining us on this podcast to share your experiences as well as your patients' experiences. We want to thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, we would like to invite you to explore more of our episodes. You can find our library of podcasts on the WOMA website, www.woema.org, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast channel at your favorite site for podcast listening. You'll be notified as new episodes become available. Topics could include the latest clinical update, emerging treatments in medicine, or topics in public and environmental health. Stay tuned and don't miss out. Until next time, be well.